0: There was a, uh, there's a fable going around, I guess I should say, a myth. Last week, while Pastor Sam was speaking and taking his liberty and going much longer than he was supposed to, he said that the next time that I spoke, that we would make up the time that, not going to happen. Okay, I just want to make that clear for those of you going, man, we're getting out here early. You can forget it. We'll make it up next time Corey speaks. All right, we'll just pass it down there. (laughs) <laughs> you know, when uh, Lisa and I were, were dating, I remember a time where we were just kind of joking around. And, and uh, I said something to her. I don't remember what it was. And she responded to me. And I said, typical woman. And this was my uh, soon-to-be wife's response. Don't you ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. Ever call me typical. I am anything but typical. You are blessed to be with me. <laughs> I agree. Nobody wants to be thought of as typical, right? Nobody wants to be thought of as typical. We are in a series right now called Anything But Average. And dictionary.com defines average as typical common we don't want to be typical and common we want to be anything but typical and common and this morning we're going to talk about faith and that's really a place where we don't want to be typical or common you don't want to be typical and or a common parent do you i mean all of us as we're growing up we think I'm going to be a great parent. Right? Some of us have made inner vows and we need freedom ministry because we say, I will never be like my parent. Right? But we don't want to be a typical parent. We want to be that cool parent that raises cool kids, that just loves Jesus. And we realize as we get down the road, we're not as cool as we thought we were. Right? We don't want to be typical when it comes to Intelligence. Nobody thinks of themselves that way, right? I'm just of common intelligence, right? Nobody wants to think of themselves that way. We want to be above average. You know what? I'm standing up here and I see that <laughs> the middle school class has not been released. So if the middle school class would like to be released, you guys are free to go. That was not my job this morning. I should have been taken care of. I just want to put that out there. I looked over and saw Riley, and he was all hunched down in his seat. I can't believe we have to sit here and listen to him. (laughs) But you know, when it comes to faith, there really is no such thing as common, ordinary or typical. Real faith is always extraordinary. Real faith is always extraordinary. The Greek New Testament lexicon defines faith as strong belief and conviction in divine things joined together with trust and holy fervor. Let me read that one more time. This is is what faith is. Faith is a strong belief and conviction in divine things joined together with trust and holy fervor. That's not average. Right? That's not average. We want to have faith like that. We want to have faith, a holy fervor inside of us. A belief, a conviction in divine things. A conviction being convinced of God so let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 no self-respecting sermon on faith can leave out Hebrews chapter 11 right Now we're not going to go through the whole thing I, I encourage you read Hebrews chapter 11 I love Hebrews chapter 11 a fantastic chapter. We call it the faith chapter because it starts and ends with faith. It begins and concludes the whole chapter. Very first verse is, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now we're not going to go through the whole chapter. I want to look at verse 6. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, without trust, and holy fervor. You know, sometimes we think of faith more as kind of wishful thinking, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where where we pray, but we kind of cross our fingers and hope it happens. That's not the extraordinary faith that God has called us to have. That's not the extraordinary faith that God has given us. Right? I hear people say sometimes, if I just had more faith. But the truth is, God has given us faith. The Word says He's given us faith. I don't need more faith... I just need a stronger conviction and a holy fervor that what God has said is true. Right? Without faith, without trust, without holy fervor, it is impossible to please Him. Why? Because God is this cranky old person up there who's, it's impossible to please Him. No, because faith opens the door this conviction, this holy fervor opens the door to be who He has called us to be. And that's what pleases God. What pleases God is when we are who He has called us to be. It is impossible to please Him for anyone who comes to God must believe. Must believe what does it mean to believe? I believe the Rangers will win today. Well, that, sometimes that's kind of the way we believe in the things of God too, right? Come on Rangers, you messed it up last night. You got one more chance to pull this out. We believe in God that way. Sometimes our our belief in God almost turns him into like a cosmic Santa Claus. I'll get what I ask for depending on if I'm naughty or nice. Right? I've been good this week so God, I can pray and believe you. But when I mess up, God would never listen to my prayers. I'm a horrible person. When the truth is, (laughs) it's not by who I am, it's by who he is. Right? Faith, believe. It's impossible to please him. For anyone who comes to God must believe, must be completely persuaded. This is the Strong's definition of that word believe there. The Greek, to be completely persuaded and impelled. Not impaled, but impelled. Action, it causes us to have action. Faith causes action. James tells us faith without action works depending on which translation you're reading. Faith without actions is dead, worthless. Real faith, real faith causes us to act. Right? I'm going to get on my wife's good side this morning. I've already said something good about her. Now let's do it again. I can remember the first time I saw her. Walking across the, we, we, were, we were in Bible school, and she was walking across the, the uh, courtyard of the apartment complex that we lived in. And I remember looking out the window going, hello. And she was carrying laundry, which meant she knew how to use that machine that had so bedeviled me. <laughs> This must be from God. <laughs> but you know what? I could have looked out the window all I wanted to and stared and just been a creeper. Without action, without action, it would have been worthless. Right? Without action, it would have been worthless. I've got to meet this young lady. And I did. And 25 years later it's even better Oh, I know aww oh. listen I'm going to get through this scripture eventually <laughs> without faith it is impossible to please him for anyone who comes to God must believe that he is that he is That he is what? That he is everything that he says that he is. You know, an average wishing hope so faith isn't good enough. Why? Because we serve an anything but average God. An anything but average God. Genesis 17.1. This is when the, uh, the Lord comes to Abraham. And he says, Hey, I know you're old. I'm not pointing to anybody in general there. Okay, My finger is just out. Hey, I know you're old. I know your wife is old. But you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. And the Lord comes and he says says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I am God Almighty. This is the Lord coming and saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. I am the Lord Almighty. Almighty. I have all power. If you study that word out, It really means that he draws nothing off of anything else. He is fully sufficient. He is the God who is of all sufficiency. He didn't need anybody else. He doesn't need anybody else. He said, I am God Almighty. His names reveal his nature, his character, and his deeds. Listen to this. God named himself a few times in the Bible. He said, I'm the Lord that heals you. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they were carrying all the diseases and the junk that were in Egypt and they're coming out, he says, don't worry about that. I'm the God that heals you. I'm the God that heals you. It's in his nature. Healing and health is in his nature. He also says, he was telling the children of Israel, don't worship other gods. He said, because the Lord whose name is jealous. Now that's not a human emotion. That's not a human jealousy. That's not me getting upset because you're not paying attention to me. That word right there comes from the same root word of zeal. What he's really saying is, don't waste your time following other gods because I am a God that is so zealous for you. I don't want anything coming between our relationship. Don't let anything sidetrack you. Don't let anything disturb you. You just follow me. You just follow me. And then when he was standing with Moses, when he was in the burning bush, he said, I am Who I am. Moses said, I can't go down there and tell them to let go. I can't tell Pharaoh to let go of all the children of Israel. They're going to say, Well, who is this God that sent you? And he said, You tell them, I am who I am has sent you. Now that sounds kind of weird to us. That would be, Hey, I am who I am, said Moses understood exactly what he was saying. He was saying, I am. I am everything. I am complete. I am without equal. I am not like these gods of Egypt where you have to have a god of love and a god of war and a god of harvest and all these other gods. I am everything. I am. I am who I am. And God called himself these names. Because of the mighty works in people's lives, Men gave God these names, the Lord who provides. When God sent Abraham up with Isaac, and he said, I want you to sacrifice that, that promise that I gave you. Lord, ever ask you to put your promise on the altar? He'll do that. Put your promise on the altar. Now, he had no plans of killing, he had plans of providing. And when he provided the ram, when he provided the sacrifice, when Isaac said, Hey, Dad, what are we going to sacrifice? He said, The Lord will provide, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. And the Lord did. So one of his covenant names is the Lord who provides, it's also the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord, our peace. Thank God for that. There's not a lot of peace in this world. There's not a lot of peace in this world, but we have a God who is a God of peace. The Lord, our righteousness, saying that righteousness comes from no other place, no other place, it comes from God. And the Lord, whose presence is there, when the children of Israel were coming back from captivity, after 70 years of captivity, and they rebuilt the temple, the presence of the Lord showed up, and they said... The Lord, whose presence is here. Yeah. These are His names. He's also been described as, I'm going to run through this one kind of fast. Because if I stop and preach on all of them, we're going to be here a long time. He's also been described as Abba Father, the bread of life, a consuming fire, the door, eternal father, the first and the last, the good shepherd, the high priest, Emmanuel, judge. King of kings, light of the world, merciful God, a nail in a sure place. I didn't know that one. Our potter, prince of peace, the rock of our salvation, a strong tower, the way, the truth, and the life, the vine and the word. I found a website that listed over 900, 900 names, and descriptive titles to characterize who God is. Why does it take so many to tell us who God is? Because in our language, in our, our uh, finite language, we can never describe God, because we could give Him every name. We could go on describing Him from now through the rest of eternity, but He's indescribable. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. Why do we allow ourselves to get into fear when something comes into our life when we serve an indescribable God, when we serve a God who is so big and so great that it takes over 900 ways to describe who he is? That's That's our God. That's our God. And this God who is indescribable and all-sufficient in himself turned and made you in his image <laughs> do you realize who you are in Christ Jesus do you realize who you've been destined to be finishing out the scripture there in hebrews 11:6 and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Please understand that God's investment in you is anything but average. That's right. Anything but average. This is the only place in the entire Bible that word is used, rewarder. One time. And it means to pay up. Someone who pays the debts. When we seek him, he rewards us. Now sometimes our minds quickly go to, well I need some money Lord, reward me. Pay up. And I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us that way. Well, we got to look beyond just the, the hands of God and pull into the face of God where He really is and who He really is. Because He's not here just to reward us with things. He's rewarding us with Himself. We need to know Him 140 times. I'm all about numbers this morning, obviously. We got 900 names of God. Now we got 140 scriptures in the New Testament that say, in Him, through Him, by Him, in whom, through whom, etc. Things like that. 140. If it was so important that God made sure it was in the Bible, 140 times... You know, there are people out there that will grab one scripture and go crazy with it. They'll build doctrine. They'll build churches on one scripture. What about 140 times? A hundred and forty times. Scripture tells us we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are free from condemnation in Christ Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places in Jesus. In Him we have redemption, inheritance, boldness, access to God. With Him we have been crucified, raised from the dead, and given all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and by whose stripes we are healed. Now, I just gave you 14 out of 140. What are the other 126? What do the rest of them say? What do the rest of them say about who you are? What do the rest of them say that God is calling you to be, that He has invested in you? That He paid the price for you to be? We need to know who we are. And we find out who we are by having a love for this right here. That's right. I, I got a kind of a backhand accusation. I, I spoke somewhere and they said, he just doesn't have a reverence for the word. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. I love the word of God. I love the word of God. The Word of God. I'm telling you. Paul may have said, I speak in tongues more than you all. I'm not going to make that claim, but I guarantee you, I read the Word more than a lot of people. Why? Not so I can sit there and go, oh, I have read it this many times. I am so holy and sanctified. You should approach me, and when you speak to me, use these and thou's, because that's how I am. No. You know why? Because when I first became a believer, this came alive to me. When I suddenly wasn't invited (laughs) to the parties anymore because I couldn't stop talking about what God had done for me. I spent my Fridays and Saturdays in the Word. And I fell in love with God's Word. I'm sorry for crying. But it means that much to me. I fell in love with God's Word. And still to this day, I love it. It's like a love letter written to me. To me. Understand the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, God was dealing with with a nation, His covenanted nation. Now He's dealing with me, His covenanted child. This is written to me. This was written to me. And I can take it, I can believe it, I can eat it, I can meditate on it, and I can be everything that God has called me to be. He's not holding me back. He's not holding me back. He's not saying, well, Chris, you're just not quite good enough for this one. No, he's saying, come on, boy. Come on, boy. You can be everything that you want to be in me. Everything that you want to be in me. And I don't want to miss anything in here. I read it over and over again. And every time I do, I say, Lord, I want to read it like the first time. I want to see revelation in it. I want to see new stuff in it. And I start and I go, Oh, I've never seen that before. I've never seen, I've never understood it that way before. Yeah. A love for the Word of God. A love for the Word of God. Let me just say, I got way off my notes, but all right, I'm pulling it back in now. Now that I'm crying I have to blow my nose. And my notes just went away. Huh see? They went away. They literally went away. God saying, shut up. No. Bang wing it. This indescribable God this wonderful God who loves us so much. There they are. You thought you were getting out of it. (laughs) This indescribable God, this more than anything but average God has an anything but average dream for you. God dreams about you. Isn't that crazy to think about? Isn't it crazy to think as Psalms 139 says that he has a book written about us. Point at yourself and say, God's got a book written about me. Yeah. I think sometimes we're the one that determines whether it's a short story or a novel. <laughs> right? But God's got a book written about us. God has an anything but average dream for you. You were created for greatness. Ephesians 2.10, out of the New Living Translation says, we are God's masterpiece. (laughs) He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Do you believe that you're a masterpiece? Do you believe that you are God's masterpiece? Do you believe this is just something I have to stand up here and say? Do you believe that that God just wrote that in there because it's kind of like, you know, the way they do uh, t-ball and stuff? Now, everybody gets a trophy. You kidding? When I played, you got a trophy if you came in first. You got a little medal if you came in second. You got a ribbon if you came in third. If you came in fourth, fifth, sixth... Too bad. God doesn't have to say good things about you. He has chosen to say good things about you. He has chosen you to be his masterpiece. And the enemy comes along and says, yeah, but not you. Probably everybody but you. You can look at the person sitting next to you and go, yeah, they're pretty awesome, but me? No, you are God's masterpiece. God's got a dream for you. You. God's got a dream for you. And God's dream isn't just for all of His kids to be with Him in heaven. That's, right. that's a great dream. Yes, we want to be there. But that's not all that God has for us. It's not just about being in heaven. His dream is also for His kids to bring heaven to earth. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Reading out of the Amplified this way. Have, have, have you caught on with the trick? See, preachers read out of different translations so it'll say it the way we want it to say it. That's why they keep coming up with new translations. (laughs) Out of the Amplified Version says, He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose, in the human heart, a mysterious longing, which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. There is a divine sense of purpose planted in your heart. Already. Already. Whether we've connected with it or not, it is already there. That divine sense of purpose, God has already planned great things for you. And he just wants us to connect with that. He wants us to connect with that. Those divine sense of purposes, they make you who you are. So my encouragement is, let God dream through you. Let God dream. That's kind of weird to think about, isn't it? Let God dream through you. God has dreams about you and for you. He has things, but let him dream through you. Let him, let, let the way that you see start to be changed by who he is in you. We don't, when, when that begins to happen, we start to love people. That's right. You know, I used to be irritated by sinners until I realized They were just doing what they're born to do, right? And I was one of them and pretty good at it. Don't they understand? But you know what? When that divine sense of purpose started to come alive inside of me and I began to realize who I was, what it was I was called to do and who God wanted to be through me, I began to see people in different ways. I began to allow God to dream through me to see people changed. To see people saved, healed, and set free. Yeah? Disciple, equipped, empowered, and serving. Just get it all in there. Psalms 138.8 says, The Lord will work out His plans for my life. Philippians 1.6 And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue to work it out until it's finally finished on the day when Christ returns. God's working in you and working through you until the day He takes you home or He comes back to get you. Okay? So don't, da- don't dream safe dreams. And don't you dare allow this world to change the way that you dream, the way that you see God. Because Father God is not like some of us dads who need to bring our kids to reality. my oldest daughter decided that we needed to take her to Hollywood and get her an agent because she was going to be the next Lizzie McGuire. And I told her no. And she didn't handle it well. Yes, this is the young lady that's upstairs teaching your children right now. She started crying and she said, Christina Aguilera's father didn't believe in her either. (sighs) And baby, it's not that I don't believe in you. (laughs) But I am going to protect you. Don't dream safe. She was convinced. She was convinced that she was created to do something great, to do something special. And we should be too. Even more so when we come into a relationship with God. Even more so when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move through us. I was created for something. I was created for something. Something special. And the world will try to tell you that you're nothing special, that you're common, that you're typical. And God says, you're anything but average. That's right. You're anything but average. Because Ephesians 3.20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church... And in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This indescribable God, who has rewarded us with himself and has indescribable dreams for our lives, has brought us together to form an anything but average church. Is somebody gonna play some music for me here? I was trying to do that kind of. See what I'm doing here? I'm sorry, Donna. Three guns to the bus. <laughs> I believe this. I really do believe this. Pastor Sam looked at me a couple of weeks ago and he said, "I don't believe we're called to be a normal church. We're not called to be a normal church. What does that mean?" That means that we are connecting with the divine sense of purpose that God has put into the DNA of New Covenant Church. That does not make us better than the church down the street. I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, New Covenant Church, this is the spout where the glory comes out. I want to see some glory. But you know what? I want us to be who God has called us to be. And you, you, you know what makes us uncommon? This is what makes us uncommon. Is that God has put in the heart of the leadership of this church to help you find your gifts and to help you be who God has called you to be. So you don't just come on Sunday mornings and listen to one of us talk, but we are helping you find that divine sense of purpose in you that you will realize that you are anything but average. That really is time to go because the, the notes left me again. Anything but average. You're not called to be typical. You need to have that same attitude Lisa had with me, even though I know she was playing. You need to have that attitude when the enemy comes along, when the world comes along, tries to say, "Hey, you're just you're just common, you're just typical." And you go, "Uh-uh, no, I am not." I am extraordinary. Because an extraordinary God, my God, that it takes over 900 ways to describe Him, that's the God I am connected with. And He has anything but average dreams for me. And for those of you that are, that are New Cove people, I believe God has planted you in an anything but average church. Amen. So let's be Let's be who God has called us to be. Let's don't let anything hold us back. Let's be. All right, stand up with me. Come on, just just bow your heads with me this morning. Let's talk to that indescribable God this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are anything but average. I thank you that you are anything but average. I thank you that you are all sufficient. I thank you that you are the Lord God Almighty. And Lord, that you are the God that is here. Lord, I know that the enemy comes. Situations come. Just life comes at times. And it just runs over us. And in those moments, in those moments, Lord, just like Peter did when he was walking on water, which it was anything but average, he got his eyes on the winds and the waves and, Lord, he began to sink. Lord, we don't want to sink. Lord, we want to be who you've called us to be. Lord, forgive us where we've gotten our eyes on the winds and the waves and forgotten how good you are. Forgotten how good you are. Lord, we want to reconnect. with that anything but average God Lord we want the joy of our salvation again so father we just come before you this morning and I'm just praying this morning guys you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you you may have never ever made a connection a connection truly with God and if that's true, you know what? That's okay. Because you can make that connection with Him this morning. It doesn't take a long religious prayer. In fact, Romans chapter 10 tells us if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. So Lord, we want to connect with you this morning, wherever we are on that walk, on on that path, on that journey with you. Lord, take us one step deeper into your heart. And Father, remind us of who you are and who we are in you.